What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the 90 and 60 Plus Pod, World Cup edition. Uh, this week, we got a special lineup for y'all. We got myself, Aldo, Chris, and Saul, as usual. But joining us this week, we also have a good friend from the pod. We have Ugo. Ugo, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing great. You? Yeah, good, man. Good to have you on. Uh, before we get into the podcast and everything, bro, just give him the mic. You don't got to hold it for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm handing it over. He's not going to Ugo, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and your passion for football? Yeah, I've been a soccer fan since I was probably like five or six years old. Um, and most uh, I spend most of the time on my free time coaching kids. I've been a coach for since I was 18, I, I think, if I have can remember that. Um, and that's all I'm always on on watching soccer every every time that there's a soccer game so i'm always on on everything that it's been happening on with the world cup as well that's awesome man so yeah we got a uh, ugo who aldo knows pretty well and uh one of our old guest host uh adan roman yeah Ro- roman yeah you guys all know each other pretty well from the coaching scene so yeah good to have you on this week man and uh you ready to talk about some soccer or football yeah i'm ready all right, so before we get into that, Aldo, uh, pass it over to you. How you doing, man? Pretty good, my man, you know. Uh, coming over to Denver again, being live here in person. It's always a, a good time. Um, but, yeah, we got Ugo up in the house today, uh, which is very exciting. But how about you, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. Damn, that's two people this week. Usually it's just one or none. I appreciate it. Uh, Chris, what about you? Chris is joining us remote this week. Chris, how you doing? Yeah, doing pretty good. Catching up on those highlights on the new games and the – past games of the world cup but yeah it's always good to have a guest on and i'm uh, excited for the pod yeah if you guys have been listening the past couple of weeks y'all know chris has been a wall this man literally says international football no nah, i'm good bro most people <laughs> count the days for the next world cup this guy counts the days for the world cup to be over <laughs> True, <man. laughs> yeah uh so you got anything to say about that how you doing you know uh, yeah i'm currently um a bit under the weather, you know. So yeah, just hoping to feel better these couple coming days. But nah, as y'all said, you know, just keeping up with football, watching it and stuff. But yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to do nowadays, right? Besides work and yeah. school and you know the usual things. But adulting. Nah. Yeah. Shit. I forgot who said this famous quote, man. But you know, it's it rains true. Uh, out of all the things that don't matter, football matters the most. So that's why we're here, and that's why we're going to talk about the World Cup. So yeah, uh, pretty much like I said at the top of the show, it's a World Cup edition once again, because that's all there is to talk about. But yeah, we left off last time, uh, dang, what was it, a week ago? More than a week ago? I think it was exactly a week ago. Yeah, and it's weird because, you know, World Cup, you know, within a week, we missed so much stuff. We have a lot of stuff to recap, whereas club football, you know, we just got a few games to recap here and there. But no, man, this is awesome. So the last game we talked about last podcast was Australia and France. And there's been a lot that's happened since. I mean, if you guys want to just go in order directly after that match, you know, you got some action from... Hold on, I got lost. You got some action from Group F and Group E, and then, you know, pretty much every team at this point of the time of recording has played two games, so only one game left to go in the group stage. But yeah, I figured we just go group by group, game by game, ever since we left off. So yeah, Group F, man. Uh, Morocco, Croatia, Spain, Costa Rica. I mean, there's one big blowout, a few boring nil-nil results and some surprises here and there with group e but yeah what, what did y'all think and what do you want to talk about first i was actually quite surprised that japan lost to costa rica after coming 
with that win in uh, against Germany. You know, it was a pretty big win for them and to basically change a lot of their squad and basically losing Costa Rica, making it a bit more difficult for them to go to the next round. So that's kind of, you know, my biggest takeaway from that group. Um, Spain today, they tied against Germany, you know, so they kind of lost their chance. What? Yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So I've been staying up so late, <laughs> waking up really. I don't know what day it is. But, but yeah, they just made it a bit harder for themselves as well. So it's a very lively group. We'll see what happens at the last match day. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think we had a chance to talk about that Japan upset over Germany. And then immediately after that, Japan, I don't know what their coach was thinking, but I think they kind of saw Costa Rica as an easier opponent. So they literally switched half of their starting 11 versus Costa Rica. And we all know what happened there. Costa Rica, I wouldn't call it an upset, but they beat Japan 1-0. And, yeah, that leaves the group wide open. You know, anyone else have any thoughts on that group or any of those matches? Yeah, uh, the other star of the group in that, the other team in that group, uh, Spain, right? Yeah. But you didn't even watch international football. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just heaping praise here for Spain. They look so... They have such a nice squad. They play out of the back so well. They pass the ball so well and keep it moving. Um, I don't know what, about you guys, but I think these this team is uh, one of the favorites to win it. Who, Spain? Yep. Nah, I don't think so. I mean, they they, yeah. they had their first real challenge with Germany, and and they, they had a draw. Yeah, that's true, but I feel like they played well for the most part, and Germany did too. They did miss a few chances, and they were unlucky at the end. It to be a 1-1 draw. But I don't know. There's something about this Spain side. It kind of reminds me of a Spain side that won a couple years ago. Because the past few times we've seen Spain, they've been pretty pretty weak, we got to say. It looks like they finally have their uh, their young players coming in, and they're all playing really well. Um, I don't know. Just the way they pass that ball, the way they recycle possession around uh, it just reminds me of Pep, and uh, I know the success that comes with that. So I'm going to be rooting for these Spanish kids. You know, it's funny. Before this World Cup started, I would have said that Spain is one of my favorites to win. The only thing they're lacking is a prolific striker. But we saw in Costa Rica that did that really didn't matter. I mean, they put seven past them. They were able to put one past Germany. And, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, especially the fact that they're – I think what's, what's really interesting is the fact that they're playing Rodri, you know, Manchester City – kind of like a number six deep line midfielder. They're playing him as a center back. I don't know if that's more to, you know, pass the ball around from the back or be better at distributing from the back, but that's pretty interesting. It's paid off for the most part, but, yeah, that's one to keep an eye out for. Shout out to those younger kids, uh, Gavi and Pedri. I've never heard of them before, so it's good to see them uh, break through here. What do you mean you never heard of them? <laughs> <laughs> is, is there the past two Golden Boy winners? <laughs> Isn't your boy Foden like in the bench just trolling. for I'm the just first trolling. two games? But yeah. Uh, this, yeah, I forgot. This guy's always trolling about that. Damn, I mean, but before, before uh, Chris mentioned it real quick, he talked about Pep. Did y'all see that Pep uh, signed a two-year contract extension at City? Oh, yeah, I did see that. Um, I think that's going to bring him at 10 years at Man City. Damn. Once that new contract expires, so yeah, ten years ahead. I honestly feel like if he wins the Champions League before that contract's over, he's leaving. So that's what I really, I honestly think that's all he's waiting for. But if he doesn't win the Champions League, then he might just leave by uh, 2025. 
Mm, I don't know about that. I think with us getting Holland, I think he stays there. I think that's such a big reason why he signed that contract. Yo, we ain't talking club football this week, boys. <laughs> no, I know. I just, I just wanted to mention it. No, I'm just, I'm just trolling too. All right. Uh, you know what else I thought was really interesting from uh, not Group F, but if we're ready to move on to Group B, um, Canada, which I pipped as would oh, be one of the dark horses Canada. for this group. Sadly, they're one of I think only two nations to be confirmed knocked out in this World Cup so far. But man, I gotta praise them as much as I can because as much as you can come into especially knockout football and you know play pragmatic and play just to see out the next game. This Canadian squad said, nah, F that. Dude. We're going to leave it all on the line. We're going to play progressive. We're going to play exciting football. And they did. They gave a hell of a match to Belgium, a match that I think they were unlucky to end up on the losing side just because they played so well and created so many chances. Alfonso Davis, very unfortunate with that penalty. But then they bounced right back, and they were able to, what, they drew or they lost? They lost 4-1 to Croatia. They did, but, man, I mean, they scored the first goal in the, what, fourth minute? Yeah. Second. Second, second minute. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it is the fastest goal in the tournament, yeah. As of now, um, but very unfortunate. And then, how fitting is it that Alfonso Davies scores the first ever Canadian goal for the uh, Canadian side in the men's World Cup? So, I thought that was a very nice story. Unfortunately, they're just like knocked out at the moment. But no, man, this is an exciting team, similar to the U.S. You know, they have a lot of young up and coming talent, and really, this World Cup wasn't for them. I think they're building more towards the 2026 one here, which is going to be played in U.S., Mexico, and Canada. So, I'm excited to see how this team progresses, and yeah, I wouldn't be sleeping on them for too long. Yeah, I feel the same thing, the same way with the with this team. I think the problem with them, it was that, that they, they haven't been in a World Cup before, and now with all these young kids uh, on the team, and they have um, they have opportunity to play with these teams now, um, I saw the game with Belgium. It was a hell of a game. Uh, they dominated the whole game. Belgium, normally you see Belgium with the with the ball control and everything. They didn't have that in this game. They were kind of worried at some point of the game because the, um, this team was moving too fast. Um, but I think what um, what overcome on Canada is that they didn't have that. They didn't have a, a, a lead on the field. Like everyone was working pretty well, but they didn't have that experience uh, with them. Somebody that knew how to play these games um, to overcome those those rivals because scoring a goal in at the uh, on the second minute uh, and then receiving four goals after that, it just I think they 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 just got overconfident and they didn't have somebody there to tell them, hey, it's just a goal on the second minute. There's still 88 minutes mm-hmm. left on the game, so we gotta hit, keep the hits up. But since they don't have, they don't have a guy like that. They have great players, but they don't have a leader on the team. Hopefully, some some someone steps up for the next World Cup, and they will. They I'm looking forward on them for the ne- next World Cup to have a great team. Damn, well said, Ugo. That's what we want from a special guest, man. Uh, yeah, so flipping the kind of the coin now from Belgium from Canada to Belgium, I want to talk on them talk about them a little bit. I'm pretty sure all of us here heard the comments from, I believe their captain Kevin De Bruyne, when asked if oh they think Belgium has any chance to win this World Cup. He said, "Not a chance. We're too old." And I don't know, man. I feel like some Belgian players took that to heart, and we kind of see that uh, playing out on the pitch because again, they nearly beat Canada 1-0. And then they go on and lose to Morocco, which a lot of people consider consider an upset. But Morocco, in my opinion, is a good team. But yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, 
I mean, I've read some comments and stuff, gone on Twitter and stuff, and hear what the fans got to say. And I think all the fans are so mad that Roberto Martinez is making all these decisions with their players from their golden generation that are no longer in their golden years, starting with their center back pairing of Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen. Um, I mean, these guys, maybe five years ago, were top four, top two defense pairing in uh, the Premier League. But nowadays, they're uh, not in the top six league. At least I don't think they are. And uh, they just slow down way too much. Apart from them, there's also Axel Witzel. He's uh, aging up there. You see Kevin De Bruyne. And then Eden Hazard, for some reason, is starting for Belgium, which is also... <laughs> Dude. <laughs> kind of insane considering his form the past couple of seasons since his move to Madrid. So, for me, there is a bunch of question marks. Why is there no younger players taking over? It seems like uh, Roberto Martinez is just stuck in the past with these players. Absolutely. Yeah, the fact that Hazard's starting and people, or players like Trossard's on the bench, hasn't played a single minute, I don't think, at this mm-hmm. World Cup. No, he, he, he came in as a sub oh, he did? Uh, in, against Canada. Yeah, but... I don't know about Monaco. I mean, Morocco. Yeah, but come on, he should be starting over Hazard easy. Yeah, he should be starting. I mean, either way, I agree with you guys. That, I mean, and with De Bruyne, that the squad is, is aging. It is old. But, I mean, he can't really be going out and saying that. It's kind of like the same thing as Ronaldo. You know, those are criticisms that should be ha- going on on, you know, behind closed doors. Um, especially in a time like this in the World Cup, you know, where it's a, it, it's a tight group for you. Um and you're just you're just straight up saying nah, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I feel like De Bruyne's on a personal tear because he's made those comments. He won the Man of the Match award versus Canada, oh. and when asked uh, about it, he's like, I don't even know why they gave it to me. Maybe just because of my name, because I don't think I played that well. But yeah, something's he up in that Belgian it, squad. I don't I don't know what's up with it. It's it's weird, um, but still, man. I mean, yeah, he, for that he just kind of threw in the towel. We'll see what happens in the last game. There is a small uh, small chance of where they don't even qualify for the next round. Yeah. Because um, I think, uh, what is it, Morocco is going against Canada on the closing game, mm-hmm. right? There's a good chance Morocco can win that um, or just even a draw. And Belgium being, being the way they are and the way they've been playing, I'm sure they might be able to lose against um who's the other team Croatia you know Croatia can definitely beat Belgium so there's a very good chance that they're they're gonna be on the way out alright I guess we'll move on to the next group um, which is group G and H uh, really I, we can pretty much skim through these pretty quick uh, only points I have are Mbolo uh, Swiss striker he showed a tremendous respect for Cameroon after scoring versus them that is obviously the nation where he was born could have represented them but he chose to represent Switzerland uh, I think it was a class act. That was good to see. Uh, and the first game in this group for Portugal and Ghana, man, what a game that was. You talk about late drama where Portugal barely squeak out the win 3-2. I mean, I say barely squeak out. It was 3-1 for the most part. Uh, but the Portuguese goalkeeper, Costa, had a blunder there very late on. And Inaki Williams almost uh, capitalized on it. But, yeah, that was a good breath of fresh air after seeing so many no-no draws up to this point. Um, and... Speaking of no-no draws, Uruguay and South Korea, they drew 0-0. But the real star of the show, I think, was Brazil versus Serbia. I mean, Richarlison, we kind of trashed on him for even coming to the squad. But uh, I think we're all proven wrong just because his form for Brazil is a night and day difference between his form for club. He's got, I think, seven goals in his his last nine games for 
for your country for brazil and that bicycle kick man early contender for goal of the tournament but that was really well executed by him uh he he definitely improvised um because we saw that cross you know how it was kind of you know towards it was passed back instead of just pass forward but he improvised really well and he got that goal which was crazy well i've seen him on with the Tottenham the games like he's been coming up uh, as a sub or and not doing anything on the field but after I, I was when I saw the lineup for that game and saw that it was him and not um, Gabriel Jesus on the lineup, I was like, ah. But then after after mm-hmm. seeing the the way that he was the the way that he was moving on the field and the the way he was always asking for the ball and on while on the game, it was a tough game because the serving players, oh, they were huge. Oh yeah. They didn't have they didn't have a chance on like on, um, like on on corners or. Uh, uh, you know like um everything has to had to be like with with the play and uh with the with magic that that play was pretty good like he he took it out of nowhere and they didn't even expect that like like how can you do that like, just in a small space and that's just how the that's the Brazilian magic you know yeah, Serbia is a very tough team to break down defensively, but the fact that Brazil was able to break through and get two goals past them—that's just, yeah, it just goes to show how good they are. But uh, on that topic of Brazil, I'm sure we all know Neymar out for the rest of the group stage. Don't think it'll matter because I'm pretty sure that Brazil has already qualified on their group, and if they haven't, then they'll most definitely beat. I think, or they'll most definitely win in the last day of the group stage. But yeah, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, we saw earlier today that. They subbed out Neymar and I think put in Paqueta or Vinny. But, you know, there's just so much attacking fire up front where it's almost easily just rotation at this point. Yeah, man. I mean, Brazil is stacked, bro. I mean, because if, if you don't put in Allison, you got Ederson. If, if you're not putting in Casemiro, you got Fabinho. If you're not putting in, like you just said, Neymar, you got Paqueta. You got, you know stacks of players that can get the job done um and it's just quality over quality um they have the numbers they have the quality i'm not surprised that they were able to i'm a bit surprised that they haven't scored a bit more uh than what they have i think they only have three goals so far in the tournament but they've been really good goals like casemiro's goal today it was just you know a banger for him so but they just got stacks on stacks of quality players so i'm not surprised that they've already qualified but yeah i was gonna ask y'all would y'all would y'all agree with me in saying that uh brazil and france are the two best teams so far i don't know i, th- uh, and I think they, they look like the two favorites in my opinion just i mean france we all trashed on them we're not trashed on them but they always talk about the world cup curse and whatnot and yeah that was me they, <laughs> yeah. they won no, I said I said I, I doubted their ability as well, but I mean they proved me wrong. I said I said they'd have they had the squad talent to get out of the group stage, but yeah, I mean then I was gonna also say, would you guys say Uruguay has been the most uh, disappointing? This uh, yeah, this uh, I'd say disappoint yeah, disappointing I guess is the correct word. Who Uruguay? Oh, or Uruguay. Uruguay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. of their squad talent, bro, and how they've just played bad. I mean, of course, there's worse teams, but it's not like we expected those other teams to do not do much anyway. So I've just been surprised with how bad Uruguay is out because now they have to win their last game against Ghana, 
And we all know Ghana is looking for revenge for that oh, yeah. 2010 World yes, Cup. So, like, it's a final, but they're going to leave their soul out there. So, And that, not even then, they have to win that game and hope for some other results. So, I mean, it's not looking good, but just with the, the talent they have, I expect them to do a lot better than they're doing. Well, I think that the problem with Uruguay, it's the same problem with with Belgium. They're getting stuck with uh, with the players that they they had on previous World Cups, but now they're not on playing on the on the best level, and like they're having Luis Suarez has started well playing on on on. He's not playing on the on European leagues anymore. Well, Cavani, it's staying on, on a great level playing for European teams. And for him being a sub, I don't think that's that's all right with Uruguay. They're just getting stuck with Luis Suarez of what he did before with the team. But I, I don't think he's having done anything for the last two games on Uruguay's games. Yeah. Yo, I saw that Portugal-Uruguay match earlier today. Dude, Darwin Nunez, he's been the most disappointing player in this tournament for me. Honestly, every time he gets the ball, he just miscontrols it. He tries to fire off a shot. It's just, it goes miles over the crossbar, miles wide. Um, yeah, so I'm starting to think, you know, that Liverpool form, he's just carrying that over to, to Uruguay, and maybe he is overrated. Maybe this is a classic case of just overpaying for a player out of the top five league. But remember what I said last year? That I said my concern with Darwin Nunez was that... Uh, at one point during the season, he had scored 10 goals over his expected XG, and that was my main concern. I said, I don't know if he could keep this uh, this form up, this clinical finishing he has, and I think I've been proven right. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean there's so much chance he's missed with Liverpool that, you know, makes you question him. But, uh, that, that was my main concern with him, I think I've been proven right. Yeah, I mean, he still has one more game. To, to do something at least but yeah so far it's just been a disaster class for him um nothing's been going his way nothing's been going uruguay's way as well um i think so far they've had like one goal disallowed right or am i mistaking them for another team i don't even know but i know they have no goals scored but i think they had one disallowed or something like that i know they've hit the post up a couple of times but it's just not working out for them um, and kind of like Google said, yeah, they got a lot of players that have aged that are just not performing uh, in quality leagues anymore. Um, Godin. Go- Godin, especially, man. I mean, how old is he now? Like 37? 35, I think. 35. So it just comes to show, you know, and and uh, they do have some youngsters. Like, they did bring a, a good amount of youngsters, but they're not bringing them on i mean i think so far the youngest has been facundo palestri and he actually did really well today against portugal um when he came on there was a, de- a shift for the uruguayans where they had opportunities you know th- he created some chances but they could have used him earlier in the game for today um, and they could have used him more in the game against south korea but they're just kind of stuck in that own mindset and they left a player like Diego Rossi at home. But, I mean, we'll get back to that when we get back to that. Let's recycle back to Group A and Group B. Uh, so, I thought this was an upset. Iran beat Wales 2-0. I'm not waking up at 3 a.m. to watch Bro. that game, but I don't, I don't think any of us expected that. So, now, literally Group A, or excuse me, Group B is wide open after the nil-nil draw between England and USA as well. And then... You go to Group A, Qatar is eliminated after that 3-1 loss to Senegal. And Netherlands and Ecuador, man, they drew 1-1. That was a good game. 
that was a really good game. Props to Valencia right Once there. Again. Chris, I know you saw this USA-England game. you have any thoughts? Oh, I thought USA was playing so well. They were keeping uh, England in their box. They were passing the ball, playing it out of the back. They were playing. I was really surprised by that uh, USA team, how they were just keeping that English team in line, considering uh, all the talent England has. But I guess that also has to do with uh, the manager they have there and uh, – these players, we keep saying it, but these players are not being used to their full ability. I mean, they have such good attacking and midfield depth, but it feels like they're not being used right. And uh, USA definitely took advantage of that, and they played really well. I was surprised. Yeah. So despite U.S. playing you know, better than Wales in the opener, better than England in their most recent game, they still have to win. Uh, it's either win or go home in the last day versus Iran, which I think most of us back them to do. But no, man, you hit the nail right in the head. You know, I think if this was a boxing match versus England and you were scoring on points, U.S. would have definitely come out with the winner, with the win, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But, nah, man, I mean, we expected the complete opposite. We expect them to sit back and, you know, play counterattack football versus England. But they, they came out and they hit them right in the, in, the, in the face. So, good to them. Props to Burhalter and his men. But, yeah, hopefully they make it out of the group and they can just keep on that progression. Yeah, th- this last match oh, day reminds me. Just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, So. No, I was going to say, this is just further proof that Southgate needs to go, dude. That guy oh, yeah. <laughs> garbage-ass coach, dude. I mean, he got out-coached by Greg Burhalter, dude. That's pathetic. That is just pathetic, yeah. Like, how can you let Greg Burhalter out-coach you? But, uh, it's just ridiculous, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, but the USA did deserve... I think they deserved that victory, but, you know, I think you guys covered everything already. All right, so... Moving on just a, a little bit, uh, Group B, which we'll talk in length on later. But uh, I thought I just want to quickly mention Robert Lewandowski. He finally got his first ever World Cup goal versus Saudi Arabia. Um, good to see because a player, you know, with that much talent and that much of a decorated career definitely deserves an accolade like scoring a goal at the World Cup. So it's sad to see that we only have a few legends of the game that only have one goal to their name at the World Cup. You know, Lewandowski, Rooney, who comes to mind immediately as well. But, yeah, dude. Yeah, good to see for him. Uh, Poland, that keeps Poland alive in Group B as well. And then we circle back to Group, group C. D. What? Group C. Group C, yeah, my bad. <laughs> uh, group D, Australia. I don't think it's a surprise they beat Tunisia, but you know they played well versus France, and now they beat Tunisia. So that group is wide open as well. Um, I think Tunisia is eliminated. I might be wrong on that. but No, they still have a chance. They, they need some results to go their way, um, but they still got a chance. I mean, but do we really back them to beat France on the last day? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, France is already qualified, so I'm not saying they will, but France is qualified, so they'll probably like play some second stringers to not risk injury to any other key players. Yeah, we saw that last World Cup, too, in that last game versus... Who did they play in the last day of the group stage? Last World Cup? Uh, I think it was England, wasn't it? No, it was... Nah. Damn, who was it? I can't remember. But I remember they put out like a, a B team, and they I think they drew. But yeah, France, they beat Denmark 2-1. Uh, really quickly, I just want to mention and give props to Antoine Griezmann, who, for me, along with Mbappe, has been the stars of the show for France. I mean, Griezmann, dude, this just goes to show how much a player can be unleashed if they're played correctly in, in their preferred position. Because at Barcelona, we saw how much he struggled. He's struggling a little bit with Atletico this season, but still miles better than how he was doing at Barca. And now for France, dude, he's just a completely different player, in my opinion. You know, similar to Richarlison, who... 
is just completely different from his club form and his international form. Griezmann deserves a lot of prop. He has one assist, but his XG expects him to get two assists. Um, and every time he gets the ball, dude, he's just always turning, almost Messi-esque, looking for the player to spray wide. And I'm almost, I'm sitting here wondering, thinking, man, maybe Benzema being left out of the squad is a benefit to Griezmann because, you know, we all know Benzema likes to drop deep and create play and kind of play the same position as Griezmann. But now with Giroud, you know, that's a focal point that he can target. And then with Mbappe and Dembele cutting in the wings, it's just a free-flowing attack, and it's super exciting to see. So, like Saul mentioned earlier, dude, France looks like one of the favorites, but, I mean, I don't want them to win back-to-back. That's just boring. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too... Yeah, I mean, boring is a good word for it. I don't have another word for it. Now, on the topic of France, I was going to ask y'all. Y'all think Mbappe will... I mean, he has seven goals. But he has he had four goals in 2018. He has three goals so far in 2022. You think he's gonna by the time he retires he'll be the top goal scorer in the world cup of all time or not sadly probably sadly <laughs> you just you just hate the french nah i mean i say sadly because he's gonna overtake a legend like Closa and pele and all those players but i mean who knows by the time he retires he might be miles ahead of them yeah, i mean seven goals already is kind of ridiculous well, but he can run into a world cup like Giroud last world cup he didn't score a single goal and now he has two on this World Cup. He can he can be like that on the next if on the next games. You never know on the World Cup. It's it's not an easy stage to score goals. For him, he's making it pretty easy so uh so far. But uh, you know you get to those stages where um, the situation overcomes the player. Um, that's where he's gonna probably gonna show up. If he's gonna reach that goal at, at the retirement of his career. But um, yeah, he's pretty close to. Uh, he's a goal away from Ronaldo, so right now he's he's showing that he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the top players for the next uh, five six years. All right, so we already talked about the last matches in Group B and Group F: Japan, Costa Rica, Croatia, Canada, Belgium, Germany, Spain, etc. So that brings us to this morning. And do this morning. I wish I woke up at 3 a.m. because some of these games are really good. Uh, Cameroon and Serbia, uh, for my money, game of the tournament, 3-3. And even South Korea and Ghana. Uh, Ghana came out with a 3-2 win, which is also very exciting. South Korea and Ghana. Yeah. Yeah, so Cameroon yeah, South- were up 3-1 at one point to, to Serbia, Serbia. And then Serbia came back with two good goals. Uh, Mitrovic, it's nice to see him get a goal. And then South Korea, they almost pulled it back versus Ghana. There were some late chances where they could have drawn the game, but they never did. So, yeah, those two groups are wide open as well. Uh, we talked about Brazil versus Switzerland with that Casemiro winner. Dude, clutch Casemiro. I'm going to start calling him that. He just always pops up with a goal when his club or country needs him. He's been coming out, man. I'm I'm glad, you know, we're not talking about club football. But, <laughs> but no, yeah, he has been coming in, in, in those big moments uh, for club and country. Um, and it just shows why he was very important to, you know, all the teams that, that he's been on. And we'll see how many more times he comes in, you know, clutch for Brazil at the end of this tournament. Yeah, because they're going to need it with Neymar being out for the moment. Uh, we touched on Portugal and Portugal and Uruguay. Damn, I almost combined those two names. Portugal. Nice. Portugal. Uh, but no, real quick on that match, I want to ask you guys this question. Uh, we all saw that penalty call. Um, obviously, it was already 1-0 at that point. I don't think it would have changed the game that much. But do you guys think it was a penalty? Because, man, this, is, this, this call genuinely pissed me off. So, for me, it was not a penalty for me. Um, I can see why 
VAR told the ref to go back and look at it um, just because of the technicality of the rule. Um, now, yeah, it was his support hand, but apparently the, the rule is if his hand is not, like, touching the floor, if it's if there's space between them, I guess, um, and the ball touches the hand, it's a, it's a handball. Um, I just think the referee needed to have a bit of, you know, cajones in that moment to say he's obviously going to use that hand as a support hand. That it, That's clearly not a penalty. I'm going to continue with my dis- original decision of not calling a penalty because um, VAR did their, their job. They said, hey, this is what we know about the rule book. This is what we saw. Go take a second look at it. But you still have to use some common sense on there. Um, so I I think the referee just needed a bit more cojones in that moment. I know it's a World Cup. I know there's a lot of pressure. But you got to stick with your original call on that one at least. You know, I'm glad you cleared that up for me because now I'm not all that mad. If there's space between the hand and the ground, it's a pen. All right, that makes sense. I wasn't aware of that, but now that I am, you know, I'm not even mad about it anymore. Yeah, but, like, he – well, the the same thing with the other. Like, he um, – they're going by, by the rule book, but as well, he doesn't have control over that arm. He's already going to, into the ground. He doesn't have any control of his body anymore. He's just going into the ground. He's not even – pretending to get the ball with the with the hand so i think for me it wasn't a penalty either uh they're just technicalities that they're doing at some point that they're making some games they're ruining some games yeah this one would have been a hell of a end game if they wouldn't call it a penalty otherwise just wouldn't been trying to look for that draw so it's a case of you know should the rule be changed and we come across this a lot with var and now offside and the handball rule is a lot as well so one to keep out for in the future. Well, I don't think it's much about if the rule should be changed. I think the rule is pretty clear, pretty good. I just think it, it was just the referee that fell into the pressure at this point. For, what for this call at least? Because um, again, the referee he made the decision on the spot. It was no penalty. VAR did their job. They looked at the replay. They went again. They went to the rules, um, and they and they said, hey. This is what we saw. Take a second look at it. The, ref- the referee is still the official. He can still say, you know what? Based on what I've seen, I- I'm either going to f- f- go with my original call and not call a penalty for obvious reasons, um, or I'm going to really play, you know, nitpicky, uh, very technical by the book that it's a, it's a pen. So, yeah. Nevertheless, I don't think it would have made a difference in this game. Uh, Bruno with a brace. I think it's funny how Ronaldo tried to take credit for that first goal. You know, some angles, you look at it, he, you say he touched it. Some angles you do, he's, you say he didn't. Um, yeah. He was whining about it after. I thought it was funny. Piers Morgan, who we all know did that infamous interview, uh, tweeted a picture after the game saying Ronaldo touched the ball. And the top uh, liked reply to that tweet was, you guys seen that uh, South Park meme? Yeah. Where the guy is yeah. <laughs> with his pants down, the room's just covered in shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Piers Morgan and Ronaldo for you. Honestly. But to be fair, um, I wish Bruno would have gotten his hat trick. Go ahead, Sal. Yeah, I was going to say about the penalty. I think, unfortunately, by letter of the law, that's a penalty because I think the commentator was saying that the, like, the ref can't judge by intention. Of course, his intention wasn't like, to touch the ball and shit because it's like someone else is like, where else is he going to put his hand? But it's... Um, it's also difficult because if uh, his hand's not there, I think uh, 
who was it? Whoever was who was was through on goal. So it was Bruno. That's a difficult call because I mean we see it all the time where like it touches the player's hand. We're like, oh, it wasn't intentional, but at the same time, you know, it's like the the ref doesn't judge by if it was intentional or not. He judges by the letter of the law. And the letter of the law says it touches his hand and it's not near his body. It's a pen, which is unfortunate and sucks, but. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last week too. Oh, last week, uh, what was it? Portugal versus was it Cameroon? Ghana. Yeah, Ghana. No, Ghana, bro. It's because I, I, I forgot that. Now that game too, bro. Freaking that. That was a dive by Ronaldo on his penalty. Dude, that was not a penalty. Mm-hmm. Diver. And then, dude, there's just been so many controversies because of Canada, Belgium game. I thought there was. At least two two penalties that could have been called for uh, for Canada too, which was unfortunate because now they're eliminated. But yeah, it just sucks, man. Because you know, by the it's just the letter of the law of the game. So it's, it's unfortunate, but it is how it is. I do want to say in in that Portugal Ghana game, the ref did keep it consistent with his calls for that. Ronaldo penalty, quote unquote. Um, I don't think it was a penalty. No, I know. I, I, yeah, I don't think it was a penalty either. But you do have to keep in mind there was a foul a couple minutes before that where Ronaldo scored, um, and it was the same thing. And he called out a foul for the for Ghana. So he did keep it consistent there, which is you know something. I mean, it's all messy. It is very messy, um, but. At least he kept it consistent in that in that game. You know, he, he called a foul for Ghana in that Ronaldo goal, uh, disallowed the goal, um, but then he, he judged it based on the way he judged the other one the same way and called a penalty. In my opinion, it was not a penalty for sure, just like the Ronaldo one was not a foul, but he kept it consistent at least. All right. Well, I think now is a good time to move on to what we're all going to spend a good amount of time on. So... Circling back to Group C, I'm pretty sure we all saw that Argentina-Mexico game. Jesus. 2-0 loss to El Tri. Uh, Messi scoring a beautiful goal to break the deadlock. And Emiliano, no, not Emilio Martinez. Um, Enzo Fernandez, Enzo. the youngest player for Argentina to score a goal in the World Cup since Lionel Messi in 2006. Or was it 2006 or 2010? 2006. 2006, right, when he wore 19. Yeah. But yeah, guys, so now that leaves Mexico bottom of the group. Uh, they need to beat Saudi Arabia by a good margin and hope that either Poland and Argentina beat each other or they draw. But yeah, it's not looking good. Initial thoughts? Well, I mean, do we even want Mexico to go through? Because I'm pretty sure if they go through, they're going to have to face France, bro. And France mm. is going to be, I say, at least 4 or 5 now. I mean, I don't think we're going to beat Saudi Arabia either way, but it's like, do we even want them to beat Saudi Arabia? It's, it's not looking good. Yeah, but either way, we don't have any any arguments to beat the Arabia, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia because we haven't scored any goals in two games and only one shot on goal. That's ridiculous and embarrassing for them for Mexico not having just having a single shot on on goal for the last two games and no goals how with that with what arguments are you just gonna score uh, four goals on Saudi Arabia there's just no chance either way if either way they it, it happens yeah there's no there's no chance that we can beat France on the 
on the next round. You know, we also going into this World Cup, uh, honestly, we expect Mexico to get knocked out on the group stage just for that, you know, we can fall back on that safety net of saying, okay, well, it wasn't expected us for even to get out of the group, so let's not be disappointed. But, man, I got to say, I was me, myself, I was rooting for Argentina in this World Cup because, one, I think Argentina and Messi especially deserve this more than Mexico. And, two, I think this is, you know, the, the kick in the ass that Mexico needs to wake up, and they have to an extent. You know, there's rumors circulating that no matter how far they go, they can win the World Cup, and Tata would be sacked come the end of the tournament. But I think it's just too late at this point. Uh, like Ugo mentioned, they haven't registered a single shot on goal except for that Alexis Vega free kick. They've only produced... Uh, what is it, 0.8, 0.8 XG in both matches, uh, so that's expected goals. Three of their 11 crosses have found a target in those two games. Uh, they're playing super defensive, pretty much just park the bus and counter versus Argentina. And when you're going to do that, you know, they, you bench the best player like uh, Edson Alvarez. But yeah, it's just not looking good. Bro, the only thing we've celebrated this World Cup was that a chaw save. <laughs> that is so yeah. true. That's the only thing we've celebrated <laughs> as that, hard as a goal. That is so sad. So, honestly, that's been the only highlight so far for Mexico. Facts. Um, nothing else has come close. It was just a big, big, big... You know, to be honest, in that Argentina game, Mexico just kind of bend over to Argentina and they're like, you know what? Go for it. Yeah. You know, and I was going to ask you guys this question earlier with Canada. You know, Canada, we can't really compare apples to oranges because this is the first time being in the World Cups in 64. Mexico's made it out of the group stage, I think, every single time they've played the World Cup. But no, would you guys rather go into this World Cup playing progressive and exciting football like Canada? You know, that comes at the expense of being counterattacked and scored on and losing and getting knocked out. Or would you guys rather sit back and play pragmatic and, you know, expect no-no draws, hoping to squeak by out of the group by a point or two? Go out swinging. Yeah, that's how I am. So, Chris? Well, I honestly wouldn't care. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're just so bad, I don't care. I don't think we could play pretty aggressive football if we wanted to. Well, that progressive football was left on the past uh, with the with the previous national teams uh, for Mexico. But um, because I think uh, we're just setting back on the on the same mistakes uh, from the federation. They're not looking forward on on um, developing the youngest players. So this is this is showing um, this is showing what's going on with the with the Mexican National Federation. Uh, they just they just uh, they're just caring about how much money they're making with the marketing. Uh, so all the players that they're on the national team they just they just selling selling uh uh, to the people they're not they're not even great players they're, they're just there by the by the sponsors and this is not going to change either way in the next years because mexico is already qualified for the next world cup since they're uh co-hosters um for the next world cup and it's sadly for for all the fans because everyone is always supporting them and just uh this is showing how uh uh ridiculous is our development on soccer we were doing good and now we're setting back every other nation from CONCACAF it's it's developing their youngest players they're doing great things like Canada having having all those those uh, kids on the on the team same thing with US they're some some games they're probably not showing their best but they have they have a future on their national team we have the second most oldest team on the on the World Cup right now 
how can we look forward on into a new team if none of none of the youngest the best youngest players that we can say that we have they're not on the team they're not they're not showing off at this world cup they're not showing off what what they made of and we 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 really really don't have any future looking forward until the next world cup so out of all the outfield players that have played uh both games as much as they can 180 uh two of the four really in my opinion should only be looked at as the future and those are Luis Chavez, who, let's be honest, is having a good tournament, one of the brightest spots for Mexico, and Cesar Montes. But then the other two are Jesus Gallardo and Hector Moreno, which uh, Moreno, in my case, you know, is a player that shouldn't even be in the national team anymore as far as age goes. And then Gallardo, same case, just as far as talent goes. But you look at that, and then you look at the players that haven't gotten a single minute at this World Cup. You know, there's the likes of Gerardo Arteaga in there, um, Johan Vasquez, Orbelin Pineda, who, you know, we said this during the Poland game and even more so in Argentina. We just need someone that can go on the pitch and create a chance. And Tata has failed to see that in him. And he's yet to even play him one single minute. When we've seen time and time again, he's Mexico's most creative player. It's not saying much, but still, you know, at least put him on there to get some minutes, some reps. But yeah, you, you know, you bring on instead Uriel Antuna and El Piojo Alvarado, man. When I saw him go on for Argentina, I was like, what the fuck are we doing, dude? Honestly. Did he even step on the field? Like, he was. We saw Chuquilzano running the whole game. That and uh, and Alvarado, all the, the the few minutes that he was on the field, he didn't even took a sprint. He was just walking on the field. He didn't even know that he was playing a game. It was just ridiculous with uh, how they left Linus and they took Alvarado to to the World Cup. Bro, motherfucking <laughs> dude didn't run anything. He still got a yellow card. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was his highlight for the tournament. <laughs> yeah, the that's probably what all he's gonna get on the World Cup. Bro, I said Dubai was the worst team earlier, but would y'all say Mexico's worse than them, or would y'all say that was expected? Wait, who? I, I didn't quite hear. I said, uh, no, I mentioned how Uruguay was the worst team earlier. Would, would y'all say Mexico is worse, or would y'all just say Mexico's definitely worse? Mexico. Definitely worse, because Uruguay has at least created chances. They've had opportunities. They've They've hit the post. They've hit the post, so... But, but there wasn't even a part of you that like was like uh, you expected Mexico to be this bad because if I'm honest I'm not surprised with how bad Mexico is <laughs> well we were expecting to not to make it out of the group stage but not we we really didn't expect it to be this bad we at least score a few goals in the few in the previous World Cups but right now we have zero goals one goal on target one shot on target it's just the wars i think it's the worst team in all he- mexico history in the world cups and i've there's all there's one game left where they can fix that but I, uh, i'm not looking forward to it uh dude by the way saudi arabia played argentina and you know even versus poland they look good in some parts and like Google said earlier i'm just not expecting a result you know maybe one zero f at most but no more likely than not i think saudi arabia is going to get the win and may make it out of the group with argentina or poland but yeah, I hope that, you know, this World Cup serves as a lesson to the Mexican Federation. It's obviously not going to, because they can talk about second Tata all they want. But until they get a coach and a board that's, um, what's the word? Starts with a C. Competent. Competent enough to actually develop the talent they have right now. And we just need a whole revamp. Like, similar to when the U.S. crashed out in the 2018 World Cup. What do they do? They started from the bottom and they grew those four players, those players for the next four years, developed them, and 
yes, they're playing really good right now, but they have an eye towards 2026. That's their main goal, and we should be putting all our marbles in them in that basket as well. But will we? Nah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Do you even really blame Tata? Because, I mean, sure, some of his, like, team selections could have been better, but honestly, it's like, um, I think it's like Coleman said, it's, it's what we have. There isn't much better options to choose from. I mean, sure, he could have brought something menace and minus, but, dude, that wouldn't have made a difference versus Argentina. People complain about him playing, like, defensive counterattack. Football, bro, that's like, that was our best chance to beat Argentina. I mean, we had tried to play some uh, possession football, some of this, like, attacking beautiful football or this shit. We probably would have lost four or five mil and people would have been pissed either way. So it's like, it, it, it's what we have. He's doing the best he could with what we have, in my opinion. I mean, and from what I've heard from reliable sources, uh, the next coach is either going to be La Volpe or Bio Herrera. There's like some outside outside shots for like uh, I think Pachuca's coach, which is Almada. It, it, the voice that a lot of people are saying is, is it's either going to be Piojo or La Volpe. Yeah, you're you're actually right. Well, they they give a, an announcement that the next that the next coach for Mexico is going to be a, a previous coach that has won titles with Mexico so I think that's gonna be Piojo Herrera he's 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 probably heading back into the national team but um, I think I believe that there was more options for the national team like uh, on the on the Mexican League soccer league uh, we have more options we had this I think nobody looked at this player but uh, he was the third top scorer from the league uh, Barogan he had 10 goals in the season one, uh, he was tied with goals with Henry Martin, but nobody looked look at him bec uh, because he just, he had a great tournament, last tournament on the Mexican League, and nobody looked at him. And they they took Funes Mori with s zero goals score before the, the, the games that he's, he played before going into the World Cup. He was just, I feel, I feel the... Yeah, not all the blame has to be with Tata. It has to be more with the federation, like I said before. There's not been a development on the on the on the younger players. But uh, as well, I feel somehow I feel like this national team has been sabotaged from the inside as well with uh, with Tata's decisions, he, knowing that he was gonna he was gonna face his his uh, home, country. home country on the on the group stage he wasn't i was talking about this um so before be, the beginning of the world cup if the surprise happened to that did happen that arabia sorry, uh, saudi arabia was gonna was gonna beat argentina and then on the next game tata wasn't gonna wasn't wasn't gonna game a game plan to win the game because he wasn't gonna become the you know the most he was gonna become the most hated person in argentina to kick out uh argentina out of the world cup with me with the uh, with messi being his last world cup so that's that's my feeling about the situation right now with the national team to kind of circle back to solo's question yeah i do blame tata because at the end of the day he's the one that's bringing in these players he selects the starting lineup and he implements his own tactics but you know we can play how we're playing and still lose but if we're playing with the core full of youngsters with an average age of you know 23 24 even 25 I'd be more than okay with it, you know, because I can at least say, oh, we're playing with an eye towards the future. We're playing with an eye towards 2026. These players will get better in four years' time. 
but you know instead he calls in and, and we're all just you know saying comments or remarks that we said in the past before it's practically like being a dead horse at this point but nah man i, <laughs> I think that that has a lot to blame uh, as, as well as the federation like google said because as we all know mexican federation is very corrupt uh league mx is very corrupt the fact that you know the usl usl one and two export more players more mexican players to europe than league mx and their development leagues just says enough in and it's in and of itself but yeah uh disappointed expected but not surprised wait wait i still got more to say see i i, I agree with y'all dude you you guys you guys you've been shitting on fucking like hector right on funes mori i understand but th- let's think about it like the players everyone complains about Charlie Rodriguez, Luis Romo, Hector Herrera, Antuna, Piojo, Hector Moreno, and a couple more. If you drop all those players, who's who's hypothetically replacing them? I mean, Linus and Santi are one. That's two players right there, but it's like, who, who are the other ones? Who's going to get called up in that midfield? Bro, like, like our league is trash. Liga Mekis is trash, bro. Like, someone else said it. They're like, like Liga Americas promote, what's it called? Promotes mediocrity, and then we expect excellence to the national team. And it's 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 so true, bro. Like we, our league is so trash, and yet we expect Mexico to be this powerhouse of a team. It's just ridiculous, bro. Especially when uh, I think this is, I think Mexico. No, uh, 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 we had like the biggest Liga Americas influence in our team that we've had in a in a long time. So it's like, what do we expect? Our league is mediocre, and I know some people don't like it. Like, if you ask, um, like, if I, I, like on the Liga Mekis Reddit, you, if you go see comments on there during the season, a lot of people are like, yeah, the league's trash. They're like, but I'm honestly just interested in it because of, uh, of like, the drama, because there's, like, there's off-field drama. Sometimes the refs are just shit, which makes for dramas, probably non-existent penalties and stuff like that. And it's like, when you have a league like that, how can you expect our national team? To do any good, especially when the majority of players called up are coming from that league. Well, our our best World Cup that we ever done, it was with most Mexican league players. So what, what year was that though? Twenty fourteen. Nah. Nah. I think that was a really good World Cup for Mexico. Beat Cameroon. No, no, but I'm asking, what year? What year was that? The the best World Cup that we that we have. Uh, it was like uh, nineteen ninety eight. With that we wait the that we made it to the to the quarterfinals. I was barely a year old, so. <laughs> so. So that yeah, we have most most of the players that were from the Mexican league. We didn't have, we probably had like three or four players on in Europe by that time, and we still got that uh, that fifth game on us. But it's, it's still, that our, tra- our our league being that trash, it's the same thing with. It's, it's it has to do with the same thing with the fe, with the federation being so corrupt because um all of the rules that they have like you have eight players that they 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 come from the outside and only two players that they they have to be from that they have uh, their mexican players um if they don't change that rule uh it's it's gonna still be the same because we're not developing any kids like that way because other teams they're all, all looking to to get players from the outside you're not developing um mexican players on young mexican players for the for the next years until they change that 
uh, it's just gonna be it's gonna be the same thing. But but still, we we got better players than than the ones that you call. And the league is trash, but these players still they they can they they overcome these players. So we have uh, Eric Lira on def- on defense. Uh, we have uh, Israel Reyes. And on forward, uh, in, instead of Alvarado, Lainez. Uh, but other than that, other than Lainez, we have um, Marcelo Flores. Marcelo Flores or Victor Guzman. Well, Marcelo Flores is not is not ready. No, but I'm saying not like ready, rather well, and well, you said like who are we gonna play besides you know Hector Herrera and these players like this? Well, dude, play, play these young like players. Right yeah, well, play them right now. Yeah. I don't give a fuck, dude. Play them right now and then see how they do. They'll For, develop in four or five years and see how they do. Because the whole point of this. Liga MX, you know, players playing in Europe or playing in the World Cup is so they can showcase their talents to the world. Jesus Gallardo in 2018, he should have moved on to Europe after that World Cup. But what did he do? He settled in Mexico for the money. And look where he's at now. Look look how far that got him. If we would have taken these players from, like, B Campeon Atlas or even the most recent Campeon Pachuca and showcase them at this World Cup, they would have gone to, you know, middling clubs in Europe or mid-table teams in Europe, but at least they would have continued their progress and their development. So I'm saying, yeah, take that risk now and bench players like Ache Ache and Funes Mori who settled for the money in lower in lower leagues. Damn, I'm heated. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, yeah. see, I get that, and I agree, but at the same time, bro, like, we got to understand, you are. right? <laughs> yeah, no, because what we're arguing for is illogical, dude. We're arguing for, like, half the squad to be dropped, and we simply don't have enough quality players to replace half the squad. But that's just the sad reality, bro. Like I told you, we, we looked at the when the call up came out, like we were honest, you know, like all like shitting on everyone. We're like, dude, how's it possible that Talavera Cota still called up? We're like, all right, I said little cut gets called up and one of these other goalies still gets called up. It's pathetic. That's just our talent pool is so shallow. It, <clears throat> my bad, it's so shallow. It's just like, bro, like, we dropped, like, Luis Romo, Hector Herrera, Charlie Rodriguez, uh, Andres Guardado, and all these other players. Dude, that's like, the only midfielder left is going to be Edson. And then we call up Eric Lira. We call up some other two, three players that we probably never heard of. Bro, we just, we don't have the talent pool for it. Like, like Tata Martino said it. He's like, it's what we have. Yeah. Like, dude, I bet you the next coach that comes in is going to be maybe five players changed. But the majority of the squad's going to be the same. Because that's just the reality of Mexico at the moment, bro. We don't have any talent. Like I said in the past, and I'll say it again, I know people got pissed off, but it's like, bro, our, our only um, hope is that all these dual nationals at the MLS is exporting. That's our only hope. We're going to have to poach a lot of them. We're just going to have to hope they choose to play for Mexico because otherwise we're, we're screwed in reality, bro, because we have no one coming up. I mean, we've got two, a couple players coming up that, that's that's just our reality. We have no talent. We're just gonna have to hope to poach through nationals. Otherwise, we're screwed. But we're probably gonna see Ochoa in like his six World Cups. That's just how shallow <laughs> our talent pool is. Oh, it's just pathetic. No, that's, that's, like I understand that number one spot from Ochoa. He's he's going to have to take it. There's no way. Dude, but even Acevedo, dude, a great goalie. But even then, dude, he's he's not anything special. We're being honest. Like the reason we're t- we're touting him all this much is because he's Mexican, bro. But he was fucking some other nationality. He'd be average, bro. Bro, like he's, he's not even that special. Liga Mekis, but he's shown that he's more than capable of, you know, of going to another league. And I think it, with all of this, it comes down to the mentality of the players too. I mean, 
many of these players, Chris just uh, you know gave a great example, Gallardo. After that 2018 World Cup, he should have moved to Europe. He should have gone somewhere else besides Mexico. Um, but it's that mentality that's stopping them. You know, only a couple of Mexican players have that mentality of going over to somewhere else, somewhere new, um, and getting out of their comfort zone to get f- developed. I mean, look at Santi Jimenez. He went over to Feyenoord. He's doing really well. Uh, and congratulations to him. He actually just got uh, engaged. So he's scoring yeah, off the pitch, you know. So we, we could use that goal-scoring threat right now. But, but at the same time, we, we got to think about the human side because for us, we grew up over here in the States. So for us, like, it'd be easy. Like, if we were if we were in their position, we'd be like, dude, yeah, I'd go to Europe. If them, they grew up in Mexico. Majority of them grew up poor background, you know, struggling for food and all this stuff. So it's like when these clubs in Mexico throw cash at them, it's like, would, it's like, um, would yeah. I rather keep well, my and, uh, and family that's the safe? Side that I'm talking about. And, you know, it's that mentality yeah. that has to change. It, because, even though, like, I get it, you know, the, life is hard just in general. Um, it's It'll beat your ass down and it'll, st- like uh, Sylvester Stallone said, it'll keep you there and, you know, if you don't do anything about it. Um, but it, we have to change that mentality mentality as well because we, we've been losing that for the past couple of, of decades now. Um, players just don't want to get out of their comfort zone to go somewhere else they really just want to stay in mexico which i again i get i totally get it i definitely you know would want to stay home but if you really want to think about it if you don't want to be selfish if you really think about the collective effort you have to go and get this experience from somewhere else you have to you have to leave you just have to you know and the players that we've seen do it the majority of them have done really well. Arteaga, Adyen, he's done really well over there. Uh, potentially, he might be mo- moving to a different club. Santi Jimenez, again, he's doing really well. Chucky Lozano, he did really well for PSV. He's starting to do better for Napoli right now. Um, Raul Jimenez. Raul Jimenez, I think, is one of the greatest examples that he left at a good time for Mexico. Because he, at, what, 27, he moved to Wolves, right? 28, something like that? Something like that. And he was a very, very good forward for both club and country during that time when he was in the Prem. You know, very. it was just that injury that that really stopped him. But it, it's that mentality that we need from, from these players. And they're losing it. They're just losing it, man. And compared to U.S., I mean, right now I'm cheering more for U.S. than I am for Mexico for that simple reason. They have that hunger. They have that mentality of going in. I mean... Canada, too. Canada, too. But, I mean... Canada's just crazy. They're, they're blowing up. But we need to change that mentality. I get it. I get the players want to stay home. They want to stay, you know, in their comfort zone. But if we really want to show what Mexico can do and what Mexico is more than capable of doing in a World Cup especially, they have to be willing to leave their comfort zone. You know, and we talk about changing the mentality, but it's hard to change the mentality when it's so culturally influenced on you. Chris, if you're still there, I don't know, but a long time ago you brought up this idea that Brazilian players especially, their dream is to go to Europe and be liberated financially because Brazil doesn't pay anything. But a player goes to Europe, they're financially set for the rest of their lives and they can set up their family with financial wealth. It's not the same case for Mexico, you know? You can grow up, be the best player in the Mekis, be the best player in Mexico, and you're financially set. You're taking a risk to go to Europe. And similar to the, you know, Jimenez, the players that you mentioned, 
Uh, the great example I always look at is Andres Guardado because this man from a young age left Atlas and he was a bit of a journeyman in his career and still at the age of, I think, 33, 34. Yes, he's not a starter in Europe, but he's still consistently in European squads playing European football, whether it's, you know, Europa League or Champions League. But he chooses to be there because of the level. You know, he's always said money doesn't influence me. Uh, you know, he has he's said other in other ways, but he just goes for the culture, for the for the experience, you know, and to be that example, to be that leader for these young Mexican players that look up to him. So, you know, I have all the respect in the world for players like Guardado, Edson Alvarez, players that chose to take that leap of faith and, yes, earn less money in Europe, but develop their game. Even, even Chicharito. Even Chicharito. He had a great World Cup, 20, uh, was it 2010? Went to Manchester United right after that. And he hasn't come back to the Americas until he joined LA Galaxy. You know, that was, what, 10 years of playing European football? Whether it was for United, Real Madrid, um, West Ham, Leverkusen, you know, pretty good clubs over at Europe. Um, and he did really well. But we, we just have to get that mentality switched up. It's going to be hard, but that's, in my opinion, what has to be done. Because, yeah, the federa- we can blame the Federation all we want, but we also have to keep in mind the players have to do it themselves as well. Yeah, man, I agree with y'all. Unfortunately, that's not how um, a lot of the players think. I mean, we've heard it in interviews before. I think it was Osvaldo Sanchez way back in the day. Um, They, like, offered him a contract in Europe, and he said no. He's like, they wanted to pay me half of what I'm earning in Mexico. He's like, why would I ever do that? And it's just, you know, it's just a mentality, apparently, from what I've heard and read from sources. Uh, this new generation of Mexican players coming in, that mentality is changing from them. A lot of them want to go play in Europe, so I hope that's true. But even the Brazil thing is interesting. You say that, Christian, because I mentioned it before, but Ronaldinho said it himself. Because I think I want to ask them about um, Mexico, but he said he's like these like uh, the Brazilian players. He's like would be doing the same thing Mexican players are doing. He's like he's like even Brazil. He's like they pay them. Um, good money, like they do in Mexico or something. He's like these these Brazilian players would never go to Europe. It's just like they had no reason to leave Brazil. He's like they would never leave Brazil. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's, I think it's just uh, I don't know. I want to say a trend in Latin America, you know, where it's just like it's generational, like toxic, something. I'm I'm missing the last word. <laughs> I don't think it's toxic. No, because I mean, no, you're right. Mexican players. I mean. I don't really see it as toxic. The reason I say I don't blame them is because, bro, you got to think about it. If you got offered a lot of money to stay in Mexico, but you secure your future, and but you were also offered to go to Europe, but your future wasn't as secure, it's like a majority of us would choose to secure a future instead of yeah. going to Europe. Not just secure so, your future, but, you know, secure your own spot in a certain team. You know, and this... And then, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges, but we see this with Jimenez too. You know, Benzema said, no, I can't play this World Cup, as did many players. But Raul Jimenez said, no, I'm going to play this no matter if I'm not fit because, again, maybe it's just culturally instilled in his mind that that's the way he has to do it. It's interesting you mentioned Benzema, but I'll come back to that real quick. I was going to say, um, and even then, like you hear Mexican players go, like um, Edson Alvarez and Bernardo Tiaga, they were, I think, uh, yeah, those two, uh, they came up in my mind because of... Um, What's it called? Because they did interviews with them, and Edson was like, he said, he's like, I was close to leaving Ajax and going back to Mexico. He's like, because he's like, I just couldn't adapt over here. He's like, uh, 
He was like, no one spoke English. He's like, I didn't, he's like, no one spoke Spanish. He's like, I had no friends. He's like, I didn't know what to do. He's just like, I just, he said, he's like, I legit just went trained and came home. He's like, and stayed there the rest of the day. He's like, he's like, I didn't know the city. He's like, I didn't know anyone. He's like, I didn't know what to do. He's like, also, co-. he said, it was in COVID, in COVID times. He's like, if my girlfriend or wife, I forget what she was at the time, he's like, wouldn't have been able to come over. He's like, I would have probably moved back to Mexico. And I think Artiaga said something similar. He's like, he's like, I would go practice, come home. He's like, and he's like, some some days I wouldn't even eat because I didn't know how to order food over here. He's just like, I have no friends, nothing. He's just like, he's just like, so I just come home and go to sleep pretty much. He's like, he's like, he, he said he was close to going back to Mexico too. He said, he's like, my girlfriend came for six months. He's like, but that was it. He's like, and then I was bored. He's like, I didn't know what to do. So it's like, it's tough on them all too, dude, because when you spend your whole life in one place and then move to another, it's hard. It's hard to adapt it. Now the Benzema thing. It's interesting you mentioned Benzema because supposedly he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be back on Thursday. That um he's gonna be back training with Real Madrid and that I guess there's a stipulation of FIFA rules for the World Cup that there's a possibility he might be able to return and play for France for the knockout stages, which what's that what's that stipulation? Do you know it? No, I didn't read it but I get, I'm guessing it has to do with the fact that he didn't get replaced. Mm. Uh, I don't know, because they were just saying that since he's returning to... Tra- that he's supposed to be returning with Real Madrid. That Real Madrid, I think, said that they think the France medical team misdiagnosed him. So there was an article that said there's a stipulation of FIFA rules that he might be allowed to go back and play with France for the knockout stages but who knows if that'll actually happen well damn I feel better after ranting (laughs) and I think we should mention that Saul is sick that's why he sounds like he's about to cry it's not because of Mexico (laughs) I think it's like 20% because of Mexico (laughs) no (laughs) I mean if I'm being honest bro we all want to cry I I can never uh, cry over Mexico anymore bro I just expect disappointment so I don't even care Yep. What's that famous line that MJ said in Far From Home? Uh, expect expect disappointment. disappointment and you won't get disappointment. Yep. Something along those lines. Chris, you still there? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. All right. Yeah, he really don't talk about international football. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about Spain, the city players that are there. And he's like, all right, I'm out. Wow. <laughs> I think the only thing the, that he forgot to mention was like, Foden is better than Gavi. Oh, or, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, Pedri. <laughs> Classic Chris. All right. Anything else, y'all, or should we sign off? Um, it's not. It's not. It's not World Cup related. But y'all see the the whole Juventus board. Oh like, yeah, the they resigned. Disgrace. Fucking corrupt yeah. motherfuckers. Bro, they resigned. Yeah, like, There's been a bunch of crazy news. Andre Onana left the World Cup for Cameroon. Oh yeah. After yeah, having yeah. a fallout with the coach. Yeah. Um, is that a protester today? That was crazy. Oh, he did. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what's gonna happen to him, man. I fear. I fear for him. <laughs> Just instant. Oh, he dead. <laughs> uh, I mean, good for him, bro. He had the balls to do something that no player can do. Honestly, I was supporting say that. three different causes at once. I mean, credit to him. I oh, hope he. What was it? Ukraine, the rainbow, Iranian woman, Iranian woman. There you go. I mean, yeah, dude. Praise. I 
Yeah. Man, he's going to get killed him. by three countries. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I hope he's all right. There is some... Un- oh, the... Speaking of Messi in Argentina, uh, the whole thing with Canelo. I mean, that's, that's, that's blown way out of proportion. He was just trying to get a shoe off. Um, I still haven't seen the whole video. I need to look at that. No, he was clearly just trying to take a shoe off. Yeah, he was he was trying to get the, the shoe off. He was he wasn't intentionally. The only thing that you can probably complain about it's why the shirt it's on the ground. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can see all the the Argentinian shirts there on the on the ground as well. Yeah. So it's it's a common thing because they're celebrating on the on the locker room. So it's normal for the probably it's gonna be normal for the shirts to be on the ground. But yeah, definitely it wasn't intentional. And I think even Cesc Fabregas tweeted back to Canelo saying, because, uh, you know, boxing's a solo sport, he said something like, clearly you've never been involved in a team-oriented sport uh, in the locker room. All the shirts go to the ground and they're picked up by the janitorial staff. Um, Which I think is kind of rude, you know. Just put it in a basket or something. <laughs> just in general. Just common courtesy for, yeah. the, for the janitor guy. Um, there was that. Uh, so today I saw the press conference for USA versus iran it was for us it was greg berhalter and their captain tyler adams and oh this this reporter he nailed in on them he said first of all if you're going to say you stand with iran and their things are suffering back home which i don't know why he's bringing it up because fifa said not to bring any politics to the world to tyler adams yeah he said at least mention our country right it's not iran it's iran and then he questioned him on how can you stand for a nation or support a nation that's notoriously um enslaved and just what's the word discrimination discriminating against, against black african-americans mm-hmm. and i mean tyler adams tyler adams response was beautiful if you guys haven't seen it go look that up but yeah i just thought we end the podcast on some positive notes <laughs> that's not positive bro how <laughs> <laughs> are bringing politics and anything ever, ever positive man well <laughs> the way tyler adams uh answered that question i thought was pretty well said so y'all want to go look that up look that up um but yeah we head into what the last World Cup group stage games tomorrow, starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. Uh, yeah. It's interesting because I don't remember a World Cup where there's been this many teams alive in the last group stage game. I think only two or three have been eliminated. That's Qatar, Canada. And only Th- that's it. Have, and only three have made it to the next round already. Yeah. yeah. There's so there's still a lot to play for for a lot of these teams. A lot of scenarios that can happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot, a lot riding on... I think it's going to be a very luck orientated week, if that makes sense. You know, because things can go your way, things can go well, not. It's it's really 50-50 at some point. Anything else before we sign off? Well, I'm not looking forward to the game. So, uh, for Mexico, Saudi Arabia, just I respect them to lose. So, but... Uh, from our um, patriotic side, we are, I hope that we win. But other than that, I think we, we deserve a pretty good lesson. Oh, yeah. And from my patriotic side, chinga tu madre, tata. Yeah. <laughs> Can I do more? I never, yeah. I never thought I'd hate a Mexican coach this much since Juan Carlos Osorio. Well, he's not really a Mexican coach. Well, a Mexican national team coach. Yeah, yeah. that makes Juan sense. Juan Carlos Osorio was Colombian too, man. We need a Mexican coach. Well, he did better than... Yeah. We, we scored more goals than... Bro, put me in. I got you. Put me in. Put me in. I'll turn these motherfuckers around. I don't give a fuck. All right. Uh, Soul, Chris, anything? Dude, I, get that. I think Chris gone. Oh, yeah. Chris is long gone. Oh, yeah. He left a long time ago. <laughs> uh, classic Chris. Uh, 
What'd you say earlier, Saul? He's like, damn fake football fan. For real. For real. Uh, yeah, guys, so that's going to do it for us this week. Um, hey, we've been more active on Twitter while the World Cup's going on, so make sure you follow us at 1960pod. Uh, TikTok, I think we posted one video on there, so check that out as well. Same same handle, 1960pod. And yeah, hopefully... It's me we'll- dancing, guys, just saying. And y todo. Oh, no, no, no. I, I get banned for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, y'all, uh, stay tuned, and we'll be here, you know, probably to wrap up the group stages and predict the bracket for the round of 16. And yeah, uh, follow us, like, or whatever you guys do on whatever platform you guys get your pod- your podcast from, and we'll see you on the next one. Adios.